All right, would you uh, turn your Bibles with me to 1 John 1? Appreciate you, church. I appreciate you uh, allowing us to make time for family business, and I just believe God's doing great things in this house and as, in us as a family. And uh, I just want to say what a tremendous word last week from uh, Pastor John, my dad. Uh, really fatherly. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, we're going to uh, have that posted on the website. It's also on our YouTube channel. But I really believe that's an important word for every family to get hold of. Amen. That God, God's design is for the resurrected family. And that we are li truly living in a time when the image of God is under attack. And that image is represented best in the family, in the marriage, and, and who we are in, in that uh, wonderful uh, institution that God has ordained. Amen? I mean, I walked into a uh, doctor's office on Friday, and uh, it was really interesting. They had, they had my first question when I got there was this. Well, we want to respect everybody's uh, feelings and who they are. I can't remember how they prefaced this thing, but uh, we just want to uh, so ask you what uh, gender you identify as. I wasn't quite ready for that. I know it's out there. But when it confronts you directly, you're like, well, um, the Lord said he created them in his image, male and female. And I got, last I checked, things were the same. So I'm going to go with male this morning. <laughs> so uh, we are living in a weird time. I mean, <laughs> I mean, stupidity has reached a new level. Come on. Just in case you were confused about that answer, there's just, it's, it's a binary question, all right? All right, um, it's one or the other. <laughs> no matter how you feel, it doesn't change how God made you. Come on. And so we are in a time when uh, it's really important to know what we believe. It's really important for us to not waver because there's going to be things that come to toss us to and fro, but we need to know who we are. We need to know who, what we believe, and we need to, more importantly, know whom we believe. Come on. Paul says, I know in whom I believe, and I know that he will keep that which I've committed to him. And so in these times, these turbulent times, this postmodern age, this crazy society who's got, who calls up, down, who calls left, right, who calls right, left. I mean, they are confused. Woe to them who call good, evil, and evil good, says Isaiah the prophet in chapter 5. And that's the times we're living in. So in the context of that, I really felt the Lord lead me to 1 John. And I don't know how long we're going to camp in this, this epistle, but I believe it is so applicable to the times we live in. I believe it's important, and, and, um, and this really, some, some commentators called John the tests of life. This epistle that he wrote to the church and to specific situations, the tests of life. So turn to somebody this morning and say, are you alive? Are you alive? <laughs> but the word that the Lord gave me at the beginning of the year, really just the prophetic word for this year is that we're going deeper. He's calling us into a deeper place. And so really just dovetailing off of that, I want to talk to you this morning about deeper life. 
The deeper life that God calls us to, and he wants you to experience, to walk in, and, and it's, it's, it's something special. So starting to read in 1 John chapter 1, it says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested. Somebody say manifested. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you eternal life, whew, which was from the Father, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And you see, John here is having to write this epistle with specific purpose because there had been false teachers who had arisen. And you know, this was the early days of the church. We're probably about two, three decades into the establishment of the New, church, New Testament church. And here they are, they're facing false doctrines, false teaching, and they're still trying to get grounded in the, in the, in the, the, the creed and, and in what they believe and getting the church founded upon what the apostles had, and Jesus Christ and the apostles had established. And yet they're being tested, and there's many who have gone out because of these false teachings. And here is John, and he's here to, to affirm the divinity of Christ to affirm what they believe in, to, to address their lack of confidence that may have come because of, of these, these false teachers and the doctrines that they are confronting. But I want you to remind you this morning of who John was. You see, John was one of the youngest of the disciples that was called by Jesus. It's likely he was a teenager when Jesus came along. And the Bible says that when he found and he encountered John, that he was mending his nets. He was mending his nets. And so we see a pattern in John's life that he, he's a mender. He comes and he mends things and he makes it right. And so he's also the, the, gospel, the apostle of love. He's, he's the one who he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. I think that's a good thing to refer to yourself. Amen. Because if you don't get that right, you won't get anything right. If you don't know how much Jesus loves you, that is transformative. And that was the message of his life, but he was one who mends. And so here's the church facing a tear, if you will. And he wants to address it. And so he confronts these false teachings. He was writing to them, it says in verse John 2.26, he was writing to them concerning those who are trying to deceive them. And I want to warn you, church, we are in a time when there will be people, there will be things that come to try to deceive. It says of these times that the Spirit expressly says in 1 Timothy 4, in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And so there's a relevance, even though it's addressing a specific situation. The Word of God is eternal. It's still applicable to us today. And what is the Spirit saying to us? He wants us to be confident and assured of our faith. Do we know what it means to be a real Christian? The test of life. Confidence was shaken, and here he comes. And you know, in, in Hebrews, the author says, do not throw away your confidence for which has a great reward. And this confidence is not in you. Come on. 
It's not self-confidence. It's not that, oh, I know who I am. You know, I, know, I know what I'm capable of, all that. We, we've been taught that through the world. But, you know, this is called Godfidence. It's, it's confidence in who God is. It's confidence in Him in you. Come on. It's confidence in who He is and that who He says He is, He really truly is. And so they were facing a specific deception a form of Gnosticism. And, and these were ones who believed that knowledge in and of itself was the end. And it came from the Greek word gnosko. And a section of the church was dissatisfied with the simplicity of the gospel as it was and sought to advance to something greater. You see, they thought through knowledge they could get to these different levels. And let me tell you this morning, it's the knowledge of Him that we grow in. Yeah, knowledge is good, but the the real, true, eternal life comes from the knowledge of Him. And so they they sought to learn new things, and, and they also believed that the matter was evil and only spirit was good. Are you with me this morning? So everything that was in the flesh was evil and that uh, the spirit was good. So they, they could sin and they could just live how they wanted to because the flesh was evil and God didn't have anything to do with the flesh. And so, and only the spirit was good. Are you with me? And that because the flesh was evil, that Jesus really couldn't have become flesh and couldn't have come and manifested himself as a man. So they couldn't believe in the virgin birth and they couldn't believe in the resurrected body of Jesus. They believed something else. They believed in a tearless Christianity. They believed in a Christianity without suffering. And how many know that's attractive? Ooh, that sounds, that sounds good. I don't have to deal with sin. I don't have to deal with all these issues. I can just, you know, live this way and, and it's okay. And so... They were being shaken, and here comes John to remind them, I've seen some things, I've experienced some things, and I'm here to remind you of who Jesus really is. Amen? Their confidence was shaken, but he says this, what was from the beginning? And John likes to use this phrase, from the beginning, in the beginning. He starts his gospel off, and he says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Amen. And he's saying, hey, we've, we've, these are, this is what we've seen, heard, touched, experienced of the Word of life. He is the Word become flesh. Let me tell you what they're telling you is a lie. He is the Word become flesh. And he dwelt amongst us. And in him we, we saw grace and truth revealed. Amen? This is who he is. And here he speaks of this beginning. And this is, if you will, the very beginning. Because the word was with God and in the beginning was the word. And the word was God. What beginning was that? And that was way back before creation. That was the beginning, the starting point that maybe the unbeginning. How, how many know? Hard for our minds to get, our, get wrapped around that. But then in Genesis, it talks about in the beginning, which is the beginning of creation. But also in this epistle, John refers to another beginning. And he says throughout to this epistle, he says, 
In, in, in 1 John 2, 7, he says, An old commandment which you have had from the beginning. And then he says, speaking of, and he was speaking of loving our brothers. And in 1 John 3, 11, he refers to it as the message which you have heard from the beginning. Back to 1 John 2, 24, and he says, Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Why is this important? What beginning is he talking about? It's the beginning. It's the beginning of when we accepted Jesus. When we put our faith and trust in him. And it's an ongoing beginning. How many know that God gives you a new beginning? God gives you a new beginning. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. We got a new beginning. We got a restart. When we became a Christian, I have one birth date, but I have another birth date, and we're now at 25 years. This month, 25 years. Wow, I didn't think about that. But I, I, I like to celebrate this other birthday because it's even more significant. I was born of the Spirit. I was born from above. I changed. I was transformed. Come on. There's a new beginning, and it's an ongoing beginning in our life that God is, that, that, that we start from, and, and He takes us and He builds upon. But why is it important for Him to call us to that beginning? Because when someone comes to you with something new, something different, he says, we must, be, we must take it back to this beginning of faith. The person whom we have known, the commandments we have heard from the beginning, and the message we have heard from the beginning. A lot of Christians will start well, and then someone comes along with something, some deceit, some difference, different doctrine, and it whew, takes them off course. Paul, John's saying, we're getting back to the beginning. Let me remind you of where this all started when Jesus became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And he suffered and he died and he was crucified. And he rose again and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Come on. But listen. Then he says, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've looked at and touched with our hands. John is emphasizing the experience he had with the person of Jesus firsthand. He was with him for three years. He had front row seats to the divinity, both the divinity and the humanity of Christ. He was both God and he was man. He touched him and it says of John, that he was the one who leaned on Jesus' chest at that last supper and listened to his heart he felt him he touched him he experienced jesus deeply he along with the other two peter and james was on that mount of transfiguration where jesus was transformed in front of them transfigured in front of them and here was moses and elijah and there was this great experience right he was there he saw it. He heard the voice, just like Peter the Apostle says. He says, we heard that voice. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. He saw it. He experienced it firsthand. And he's saying, what we've heard, 
what we've seen with our eyes, what we've looked at and touched with our hands, reminding them he heard this utterance. He saw some miracles. Come on. He saw what Jesus did. Eyewitness testimony. He was a real human whom I looked upon and, and studied and touched. You know, he was the eyewitness testimony of the incarnation. Let me tell you this morning, there is nothing like a personal testimony of your experience with Jesus. They can try to argue doctrines. They can try to argue things, but they cannot argue with what you've experienced firsthand of him. Do you know, it is always been and it always will be one of the most powerful forms of human communication by personal testimony someone is acquitted or they are convicted in the court of law by personal testimony come on you guys all you go to you go to amazon and you want to buy something you with me and you're looking at how many stars there are you got so many choices today. You got to look at how many stars there are. You got to look at what those comments say. What is the testimony of people with this product that they were going to buy? Did, how did, what was their experience like? Before I click that button and put it in my cart, I need to know what their testimony is. And you know, even in marketing, we have to get somebody who has a testimony about our product to be effective. But you are a testimony. The Bible says you're an epistle read by all men. You see, like Pastor, like John was sharing, you go into the workplace, they're reading you. You go wherever you go, they're reading you. And you might be the only Bible they ever see. You might be the only Bible they ever encounter. Come on. The, the testimony of Jesus' work in your life. I've touched him, I've experienced his, he's touched my life in a special way, and it's been transformative. I'm not the same again anymore i was telling my son about my roommate in college man he was he was studying criminal law and at that time of my life i wasn't doing so well and i was doing some pretty stupid things before i gave my life to jesus and uh i remember and he'd give me a hard time he was he was always the straight shooter he's like hey why are you making these decisions <laughs> come on and then when I got saved and he got married and I showed up as one of his, part of his wedding, I remember him looking at me and going, you're different. What happened to you, dude? You're different. And there's a testimony. You see, he saw the before, he saw the after, he saw the transformation, the change. And he goes, that's a testimony to him of what God can do in the life of somebody who, who, who finally surrenders and says, Lord, you are my savior you are my lord i put my trust in you and i start with a new beginning there's a testimony that we need and so four things i want to share to you about the deeper life and it starts with deeper experience that god is calling you into with him this morning and i believe this is a year i, I believe this is a year and I'm just going to declare this, that there's going to be some people in here. You're going to look back as, at, on this year as a transformative year, as a year when God met you in deep personal ways and did deep work of healing in your life. Where you experienced the touch of God like you've never experienced it before. How many know we need a generation to experience that touch? 
We need to be a church who says, I've been touched. Let me tell you, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Revelation 12, 11 says of the, he says that we will overcome by the word of our testimony, the blood of the lamb and loving our lives, not unto death. The word of our testimony is powerful. Share it, declare it. And as God is bringing you into a deeper experience of fellowship with him, we share it, we declare it, who this person is. Amen? We were re- and then, you know, you, when you became a Christian, you didn't join a church. You didn't, it wasn't about signing some document. It wasn't about belie- you know, agreeing to some set of beliefs, although that's important to know what you believe. That's why we do our life together thing. But what it was was you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you were given new life. And that new life, that Zoe life that we experience, that's what ties us together. Are you, it's flowing in you. It's flowing in me. That's what brings us into this fellowship. That's what brings us into this relationship. And because we share this DNA, this life, we're family. We're family. He... Going on in 1 John, it says in five verse, chapter 5, verse 12, He who has the Son has the life. You might think you have a life. But let me tell you about the life, the Zoe life, this life that God gives us, which infuses every part of who we are. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Without this life, we are nothing. It doesn't matter if we believe all the right stuff, attend church, act like Christians. These are the tests. Do we have the life? And that life is undeniable. Right? Me and some guys got together Tuesday night, and we're just sharing. And the Holy Spirit's speaking. And he's, you know, God's speaking to them what God had already spoken to me to share with them. It was amazing. Because they, we share the life of the Spirit. We share the life that has come from the Father. Come on. He gives us new life. I hope you have some life this morning. If you don't, we're here to uh, pump it into you. Come on. (laughs) Holy Spirit's here to give you new life. We are always encountering forces that want to undermine our confidence in Scripture and the person of Jesus. Guys, you young people... I mean, this generation's facing some things in school, in their campuses, from their teachers, in a, in a godless, secular, humanistic society that is trying to tell them there's 80-some-odd genders, that's trying to tell them all these things that are just whack. And they're trying to deal with that each and every day and get confronted with it. How many know they... We need a generation who knows who the person of Jesus Christ is and they have this assurance beyond a shadow of a doubt that they know that they know that they know that they have eternal life. That assurance. We don't just believe in ideas, doctrinal statements. We believe in a person. 
Life made manifest. Jesus manifested to us what relationship with the Father looks like. Intimacy and dependency. So much so that the disciples saw him praying and they said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to have what you have. He showed them this is what it means to be dependent upon the Father. To only do, I don't speak on my own initiative, but I speak what the Father says to me. I don't do whatever I want. I do what I see the Father doing. This life, this so countercultural life, this is different than anything we've seen before. Jesus demonstrated it, lived it, and he said, this is how you can live. It was manifested to us. Eternal life manifested in John chapter 17, verse 24. It says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me wherever, where I am so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. He showed it to him. This is what it means to be loved by the Father and to live for him. For his purpose, for his glory, for his honor. A whole new way of life manifested in Christ. A deeper experience. Secondly, John is inviting us to deeper fellowship. Read verse 3 and 4. It says, What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with, somebody say it, the Father. And with his son, Jesus Christ, these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. John's longing, and I'm going to tell you that the heart of a pastor, the heart of the shepherd is that you experience this fellowship, you experience this relationship, this, this depth with God, the Father, and that you experience with with other saints come on this desire you see he's, his joy couldn't be complete if it was just him having a fellowship he wanted others he had seen what the deceit had done and it, some had left them had gone out from them it says in first john 2 he had seen how it had dragged them out and he's and i'm going to tell you as a pastor I, that, that that breaks my heart when fellowship is broken breaks my heart because this is this is not just a friendship or hanging out or an association it is a deep sharing of life that we have in the lord and he says i want you to experience this to have fellowship with me have fellowship with the father have fellowship with the other saints don't miss out trust me it's our heart that none of you miss out on what god has for you we share the life of the Father together. We're family. And this word fellowship, I mean, it really doesn't do it justice in the Greek translation. It's koinonia, and maybe you've heard that word before, but it's a sharing, it's a communion, it's a common bond and a common life. It's a partnership. It's a companionship. He's our friend. Come on. He's our friend. And he, draw, he calls us into this personal fellowship. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 9. It says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
He called you into this fellowship. Sometimes we think calling is something that I'm going to do. No, it's something you're going to be. Your calling transcends what you do. Your holy calling, what we do is just functions. I'm a pastor, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a husband, I'm a brother. I'm all these, I'm an employee, I'm a boss, come on. I've got all these functions, but my calling is who God's called me to be, to be conformed to his image. But I've been called into fellowship. You see, that, con- that conforming takes place in intimate relationship with him. That place of intimacy with him. Because I can't become what I don't see. And I have to see him, and I see him in that. Bob shared with us at the men's fellowship, our breakfast last month. He says, intimacy, into me you see. Into me you see. You see, are we willing to trust him and open our hearts to let him see into our lives? But also it goes both ways because it's a sharing. When we do that, God opens his heart to us. The Bible says that he shares his secrets with those who fear him. God's got secrets. And when your hearts are open to him, he begins to reveal those things to me, to us. We can only be comfortable with this kind of divinely deep fellowship with other believers if we have opened ourselves to have it with him first. And let me tell you this, the deeper our fellowship goes with the Lord, the deeper it becomes with one another. You see, what we're experiencing is that. As individuals, as you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple, as you press in and as you get nearer and nearer to him and you get, get more familiar with his heart and that life exchange happens in that intimacy of fellowship with the Father, then something happens. You have life and it goes and it touches all of us. We feel it because we're connected. Don't you ever believe, oh, I I love what you shared, Janine, because don't you ever believe when the enemy comes and says, oh, it's okay if you're not there. We feel it. We feel it. We feel it. I'm not talking about just church, but in fellowship, in relationship. The enemy wants to come. Oh, it doesn't matter. They don't care about you. He's going to come at you from every angle to break down and separate you from the fellowship. Trust me, that is his goal to isolate you because if he can isolate you, he can destroy you. Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to you might have life and that more abundantly. Praise God. That life, the Zoe life. Let me describe this fellowship to you. It's interdependent. You understand that? It's interdependent. The fellowship we have with one another. I need you. You need me. We need we. That came out different. All right. But if we don't see that, right? If we don't see that we can't survive without one another. You weren't meant to be an island. You weren't meant to be a lone ranger. And explain... I mean, you, you're in fellow, we, we consider you in fellowship with us whether you're a member or not. Let me just tell you that this morning. Because you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen? We can share. We, we, we have this shared life with each other. But it's interdependent. It's not independence. 
And it's not codependence. How many have had some codependence with your life? And they just come along and they're sucking all that life out of you, but there's no... Mm. Because they're trying to get from you what they need to get from the Father. They're trying to get from you what they need to get from the Father. And when you have it from the Father, you can give and receive. Oh, yes. Paul says this of the body of Christ. You see, in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Right? We have a need for one another. And, then, and he goes on to describe this. He says, When one suffers, all suffer. When one rejoices, all rejoice. We feel it. We feel what you feel because there's a connection, and it's this deep, divine connection that starts in him. We have fellowship in our name. Fellowship isn't just hanging out and having coffee and chatting about life. Fellowship is deeper than that. And he wants you to experience deeper fellowship. Number three is deeper joy. He says that our joy may be full. Our joy may be full. He says it in 1 John 16 too. He says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ask anything in his name so that you may receive and your joy may be full. It's awesome. Peter calls this joy unspeakable. How many can testify this morning? Inexpressible. I, I don't know how to describe to you what I experienced in the Lord. It's unspeakable. I thought you were excited about that. I'm sorry. That's why we can dance around. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's an every day, seven days a week, 24-7. We've got the joy of the Lord. And it's not contingent upon circumstance. Man, you can have, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have things that come in your life. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. It doesn't mean we're numb. It doesn't mean we don't get sad. It doesn't mean we don't feel things. But and below that and deeper than that and more pervasive than that is the joy of the Lord. I got the joy, joy, joy <laughs> down in my heart. Down in my heart. All right, we're going to break out. <laughs> down in my heart to stay. First yeah. John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, there's a reason we like lights on. You know, light is, light is a uh, disinfectant. Um, it energizes, too. How many know in Seattle we need that? We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Number four, and lastly, is this deeper revelation, because light reveals. Light reveals things. Darkness conceals but light reveals. John 1, 4 through 5 says, In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The, dark, the other word says, it couldn't overcome it. The light is greater than the darkness. But you see, you've got to be willing to bring it into the light. His light reveals things to us. 
In Psalm 119, it says the entrance of his light brings, the entrance of his word brings light. It shows us something. God wants to show us who he is. He wants to show us and put life into proper focus. You see, we've seen things darkly, dimly, but God brings his light and begins to show us how things really should be. And sometimes what he's showing us has to do with what needs to change in us. You see, the Spirit of the Lord is like a lamp in the body. And it comes and it shines. And there's, some, there's things in our life that maybe are shadows. How many know we've got some shadows? Some areas in our life where we don't really fully understand how the way we think, maybe the way we've been raised, our environment, our experiences... Our own commandments that aren't from God. Are you with me? <laughs> You've got some family commandments. Let's just be real. You've got some family commandments, some things that you believe that aren't in Scripture. And that dictate your life. And it takes the truth of God's word to reveal, oh, that's not my thoughts. <laughs> but it means... Being willing to acknowledge I've got some shadows and those shadows affect how I relate to people. This fellowship. The shadows in my life affect how I function in the fellowship of his people. You see, I've got filters that interpret how you, how behaviors towards me. And they're not all from God. Oh, you guys got quiet. Now, well, we've always done that. We, we all, we've all done that at some point or another, another, right? Somebody says something to you, and we begin to speculate, or they, they treat you, they look at you the different way, and we begin to speculate, and we think the worst. Am I the only one? All right. I'll be at this altar, you guys. Okay. We think, of them, and we need the love and the truth, the light of God to come in and expose those things, to reveal his reality to us. When I was talking to my doctor after we got through awkward question time. It wasn't awkward for me. I'm sure it's terrible for them to have to ask such a stupid question. But, um, but, you know, really, this knowing is knowing God knowing us and us knowing him. It's willing to know and be known. This revelation of who he is, his light in us. And he said, he said about this about his daughter. We were, we were talking about, I have teenagers, he has teenagers. And he goes, here's my teenager, he's giving me this new term. I go, what's that? He goes, it's a you problem. I go, oh, I haven't heard that one yet. I'm learning another whole other bunch of vernacular that I've never heard before. But that's a new one. He says, it's a you problem. You know, there's a, it's, it can be an, a me problem or it can be a you problem. I'm like, all right. You know, so if I'm, I'm struggling with something, she goes, oh, that's a you problem or, or that, you know, that's a me problem. That's something I need to take care of. And I'm like, ah, interesting. New language add to my vocabulary. But sometimes there's things that we thought were a you problem were actually a me problem. There's th usually most of the things, how we react, how we respond to things are often... A me problem. And we're willing to walk in the light, which is to say, God, shine your light into this reality and show me what you see. 
Give me your perspective so that I can walk in healthy relationships with other believers and with you. Because if the horizontal's off, that means the vertical's off. If the vertical's off, the horizontal's off. They, can't, they have to both be aligned. I'm no more healthy with other believers than I am with him. And if I'm unhealthy with other believers, there might be something here that he wants to deal with me in, in me. John, this book talks about so much. It talks about light, life, love. This epistle, but much of it is on these horizontal relationships, our relationships to other, allowing his truth and his light to come into our lives. If we could have the worship team come, I'm going to close here. But I just really wanted to share that with you this morning. I hope you're encouraged. I hope that you understand God's desire for you. And in calling us deeper into him, it's deeper into personal fellowship with him. It's deeper into the fellowship that we experience with others in Christ. And as a result, we experience the deeper joy and the revelation of who he is and who we are in him. Amen? Can you stand to your feet this morning? I just feel this strongly in my spirit. Let's see, you know, light also guides talking with some fellows about this. The Psalm 119, 105, his, his word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. See, light shows us where to go, his light, the light of his word. And the picture there, and I've said it before, but it's worth repeating is that it's a foot lamp. It's enough light for the next step. It's enough light for the next step. So I just feel like there's a place of trusting him, of just leaning on him and saying, God, would you show me some light? I'm not sure where to go next. I'm not sure what step to take next in my life. But he brings his light. God is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. Maybe the Holy Spirit this morning is saying, I'm shedding some light on some things that need to change in you. Some shadows that are in your life. I pray this is a year where those shadows are exposed and God's light shines into those areas. Maybe you say, I, I, I hear what you're saying about joy, but I'm not really walking in that, experiencing it. And maybe that's because there's something here or something there, something vertical, something horizontal in your life that needs to get aligned with him. So whatever it may be that the Lord's calling you to, I believe there's a response. There's a, there's a act of saying, God, that's me. And I want to respond to that this morning. So I just want to pray. And as I do, 
If the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, I want you to come to this altar and we're just going to pray over you, believe with you for that. That this is a year in your life that you'll experience his deeper life. You'll experience personal touch of him just like John I touched him I would have heard would have seen with my eyes would have looked upon that'll make you unshakable in shaky times that'll make you be able to stand in confidence even when everything around you is crumbling that assurance that you know that you know that you know I have eternal life I don't need to question my salvation I know that I am his and I know that he is mine I have the life that he asks he offers for me maybe you say pastor I've not ever really experienced this life but today he wants you to experience it to come into that fellowship with him Make him Lord, make him Savior of your life. Acknowledge him as Father. He's waiting for you. The decision is yours to say, Lord, I want to respond to you this morning. I want to give you my whole life. I want to come into that. John says, invites you, says, I, I want you to have this fellowship with me, with, with the Lord, with others that is so available to you. That's my desire for you. It's deeper fellowship. If that's you this morning and you need to really, really commit your life to him and come into that place, he's inviting you to a place of knowing him. This is eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. If we could have our prayer teams come.